Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. There'd be a lot of poop in my hands. <laughs> seen a six-foot alligator go swing into the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural, lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big mm-hmm. abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just like kept going and going. And she goes, what the sunny day on the ocean blue you're in your 19 foot Boston whaler fishing for American snapper you're in 318 feet of water the day's been perfect all of a sudden there's a bump at the hull of the boat little disturbed you run to the front expecting to see a giant piece of woody debris or maybe even a sea turtle when you get there you find nothing but what appears to be a scratch mark. As you turn around, a giant tentacle is dragging your cooler out of the boat. Welcome back. I'm the great and powerful Mr. E. I'm Jay. Uh... I'm working on my improv. <laughs> no, so if you couldn't tell, we're back to Bermuda, Bahamas. Come on, pretty mama. Leave five-star reviews. Come on, no, you want to. Oh, gosh, Miami. I think Miami got included. Otherwise, this would just be the Bermuda line. Watch. Nah, well, there's someone. You said there was some. There's a lot. Bermuda, or Miami's just weird in itself. Yeah, so it has to be included. No, it's just, this is, a, this is a weird place, man. Right. Now, so we're all talking about monsters and fishes this episode. This, this portion of our Bermuda why saga. I, why would I d- split it up? Split it up? From monsters and then fishes. Because fishes aren't monsters. I don't know. Some of them can be. Not, no, fishes so, are. For our, some of our listeners, Patreon or not, you're going to hear some of the same names you've already heard before. Like uh, uh, like George Sands? Yes. No. Monsters. Uh, oh, darn it. We're going to start it off with an article about a mysterious creature that washed up on the shore of Bermuda very recently in the Triangle. And the article is titled, Bermuda Triangle, Why? Starting to discover, or startling discover a 30-foot creature could explain lost ships. Okay. And he guesses. 30-foot creature. 30-foot, um, I don't know, uh, probably some kind of shark. Ooh, good guess. Bermuda Triangle, 
The mystery may have been solved by startling discovery. Revealing a 30-foot creature lurking in the seas, experts have argued that it could explain some of the ships that were mysteriously lost. Personally, I don't think so, at least not this guy. Okay. The Bermuda Triangle, also known as the Devil Triangle, is loosely defined by the region of the American Ocean. Oh, come on. 2005, marine biologist Tsumi Kabuti and uh, snapped footage of the first giant squid ever in these waters. Oh, sweet. Uh, he was aggressively attacking bait lines. Okay. So this was the first determination that giant squid were present in the deep water around the Bermuda Triangle. This was that 30-foot creature? Yes. Okay. They, they've got a picture of a 30-foot giant squid. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, and they were finding, like, in 2007, the legends of the giant squid were not legends anymore. Uh, there was one picture, and this was in the, uh, this is in the Bermuda Triangle, of what appeared to be a 150 foot long giant, or giant squid. Okay. That's, now this, now this has been, this, this is that famous picture. Everybody that's into this giant squid field has seen whether, like, it's, it's, I think it's eating a Humboldt squid. I can't remember. Okay. Like a camera shot to a Humboldt squid. Yeah. Do you got the photo right there? Or? No. Okay. None. I probably have seen it though. Yeah. We, I think we, yeah. So even Christopher Columbus, uh, when he got to this area, he explained seeing these monsters, what do you call the Kraken uh, in this area? So they're not like, they're there. They're in this deep water. You know, they're sitting at probably like the 1200 feet range or 1200 meters. I'm sorry. Uh, but they're not very common on the surface. And when they're on the surface, they're normally not doing Doing the well at all, yeah. Usually so the only ones me, you find are dead. Yeah, or dying. Right, yeah. So to me, this isn't a good observation of like calling it the, the reason all these ships and stuff, all these crew are disappearing and stuff like that. But what it points to is the capabilities of this environment to support giants. Mm-hmm. So giant squid, believe it or not, on the, their size and everything like that, they are middle column uh, animals. They're not, apex, in, they're predators. not apex predators. Um, but they're eaten by tons of stuff. Everything from great white sharks to sperm whales to you know beaked whales. You know they're orcas. Yeah, giant squids themselves eat pretty small prey. Okay. So it's weird that like they just aren't doing this. Now a giant octopus may be a little better of a culprit. Now is that a little foreshadow in your first story there? Yeah. Okay, to a giant octopus, huh? But yeah, so this giant squid thing is just showing you that. They they are they occur like, right. Th- th- there are monsters. Uh, what these modern people consider monsters in this area of the ocean. There's also uh, all kinds of other species of squid being found. Uh, we did it in Adam Benedict's book. There's also a giant fish caught in the Bermuda Triangle in like 18. We just did it on eating monsters. Mm, that's right. Uh, where they literally pulled up this what described as a giant fish, like 50, 60 foot long, and it had what was called Jewfish in its belly. Remember mm. that? Yeah, they're big. those are big. They're Goliath the, groupers. The groupers, yeah. The Goliath groupers. groupers. Yep. They're the biggest grouper species in the world. Uh, why they called them Jewfish is because the Jewish population favored them. Mm-hmm. It's not, I, as far as we knew, it wasn't anything, I don't think it's anything derogatory. It's just that the population, the Jewish population, liked eating them, so they started calling them Jewfish. Right, yeah, makes sense. Um, but they caught the giant fish, they ate it, all that stuff. So there's giant animals being produced. There's also, there's all these wrecks purposely sunk in the Bermuda Triangle area. For fish habitats, yeah, and all say. these ones that we talked about in the last episode that ended up down there, anyways. Imagine how what kind of habitat a giant cargo ship would create. <laughs> Just imagine there would be full of giant squids, yeah, and whatever is eating them. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true too. So, anything to say about this first? As far as just harbor or being able to produce or sustain gigantic life yeah. in these waters, yeah. I mean. I, it's a good example. I mean, if I mean, it's... The Bermuda Triangle is full of whales. 
Oh, really? Like visiting Wales. Like this is. Well, it's right off the in that right off the coast of Daytona Beach, mm-hmm. like you said. Okay, so it's in a kind of jet stream. Tra- yeah, it's a high traffic area, anyways. Okay, yeah, for whales. For whales. Okay. So the mysterious, or the mystery surrounding the two, are the nineteen oh two Bermuda Sea Serpent. So I'm just gonna moray jaw. Uh, so when it was captured seven miles off Bermuda in nineteen oh two, previously unknown type of eel creature was described as a genuine sea monster. Or substantial newspaper reports which appeared across America. The live six-foot sea serpent described as having a war-like appearance, not unlike that of a moray. Okay. Uh, it was shipped to the New York Aquarium so scientists could study it. When it arrived in Battery Park facility in July of 1902, the New York Times carried a major report. Uh, breathless headline says, Real sea serpent caught at last. That's a good. That's a good headline. So the uncanny creature uh, was a prisoner <laughs> in the aquarium, uh, sent from Bermuda to pre- Professor Bristol, who never saw the like of it and does not know how to class it. Okay, so something brand new to her, or what did you say? Him. Him. Sorry. Uh, I'm assuming it's a guy. It's 1902. Not true. I'm going to assume a woman at that time couldn't be a biologist. I think it's a fair assessment. Probably. Uh, but it didn't say either way. It's uh, in, in tank in tank number three of the south ground floor of the aquarium. There was deposited a very strange creature that the authorities of the institute had never been called upon to, or that had been called upon to take care of. Reads the Times. The creature, which may be a snake or a moray or a deep sea eel or a sea serpent, arrived in the Quebec line shipment, the Trinidad, and was sent south or north to Professor Charles E. Bristol. So, yeah, it's a guy. Okay. Professor of Biology at New York University, who is at present in Bermuda searching for more rare animals and specimens to acquire for the aquarium. The creature is about six foot long, has a very reptilian head, and the, but the head is also almost out of a moray and has the tail of a fish. Its body is a rich brown color. Stripes are spotted at regular intervals with beautiful bands of spots in light yellow. This is a very much alive as it shows its lively movements in captivity. Newspaper accounts said the captive creature is on all or is on the go all the time, sometimes unwinding itself up and down the sides of the tank, striking its head against the glass with considerable force. Mm, yeah, once out. Does not want to be in this. Yeah. The professor who said he was baffled by the unusual specimen, he suggests it might be a species of deep sea eel, but that was only a uh, surmise as he frankly admits that for once, he had run across a fish or reptile, which he had known neither of before. Hmm. Before I move on with this article, keep in mind this is a 1902 biologist. Right. You should be able to tell if it's a fish or a reptile. Right, yeah, That's you should. That's very early in school. <laughs> well, in modern schools, maybe back then they didn't really teach that course, part of the course. Uh, it's got scales. I, I, it means I, it's a bird, a fish, or a reptile. I do have, isn't, uh, and I think you're probably going to bring it up, Sargasso Sea. Are you going to bring it up? Don't ever mention that again. Are you going to bring it up here in a little yeah. bit? Uh, way, way, way. Oh, okay. Don't bring it up again. Say that's where I found Don't. That's where I found this guy. It. Anyways, he suggested it might be a species of deep sea eel, like I said. The American eel, which spawns in the Sargasso Sea, is most oh. often mistaken for a sea serpent. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I was one line away. The intoxicated <laughs> Bermuda fisherman was reported in having captured this creature a few weeks earlier near the ledge of the sea depth of abruptly 200 fathoms. 
He said, they were about ready to return home when they thought it would be a wise thing to pull in a line that they had set for some hours before. One of them grabbed the line and tried to pull it up and became taunt and refused to give. While they were pulling with all their all their might, the line suddenly eased, and before they had the chance to realize what had happened, the sea serpent had been pulled into the water from the boat, or into the boat from the water. Oh, gotcha. One of the fishermen, a very superstitious fellow, according to the report, thought he had literally pulled in the devil. Hmm. He cowered in the bottom of the boat, praying and yelling for mercy. When the fishermen, uh, perfectly sober now, had regained their composure, they put it into St. George and to deliver the creature to the renowned uh, Berman, uh, or Britannian naturalist Lewis Marbury, who kept it alive in a tidal pool. Uh, but yeah, so before I go on, it's weird. So do you remember end of season two? We did the Loch Ness Monster. Yes. We talked about the Linden Worm. Right, yeah. The Linden Worm, when it was pulled in, it was described as a giant eel-like reptile creature. Mm-hmm. When it was seen, it was called the literal devil. That's right, yeah. And they thought it was like they thought it was the son of Satan. Let's just have that. So it might be the same thing. It's just a very odd connection, right? That or same description or same, yeah, uh, yeah. feeling that humans have right, towards this type go. of creature. Ooh, yeah. Now he had like oh, uh, so we'll get to there. But basically, he was claimed that it was a moray. But we'll get to that. So Mr. Morbay who built the Boston Aquarium in 1911, had served as the superintendent of the New York Aquarium before becoming founding curator of the Bermuda's Aquarium in 1928. He passed the specimen on to Professor Bristol for study. The American scientists who founded the Bermuda Biological Station for research arranged for it to be shipped to New York along with other live specimens he caught in the local waters of the city aquarium. Unfortunately, the sea creature was dead within a month of its arrival to New York. Its body was preserved in formaldehyde for further research. More than 30 years later, Two more specimens were caught off of Bermuda and put on display in the Bermuda Aquarium. There is no question this species is entitled to its name, the sea serpent, said Mr. Marlborough. Some species of moray have been identified as sea serpents in Bermuda waters. In 1934, the newspaper describes a fish as stalking its prey in a snake-like manner as no fins and crawls along the ocean bed along with the coral and rocks 20 fathoms down. It is not clear if the specimens were formally ID'd, Dr. Ian Walker, current curator of the Bermuda Aquarium Museum and Zoo, has said that a majority of the reports of sea snakes in the island's waters are either American eels, who spawn in the Sargasso Sea, or other variations of mermaids. Remember, from a couple weeks ago, there are no sea snakes in of the Atlantic Ocean, at least documented. Right. Widely are embellished reports of unusual sea creatures punctuate Bermuda's history. It's what is likely intended as an April Fool's Day hoax, according to the Sea Monster written by a young Benjamin uh, Benjamin Franklin in 1736. So let's go back to this. There's several things. So the specimen was real. It was sent to both the Bermuda. Uh, the Bermuda guy is the one that caught it. He was a curator of the Bermuda Aquarium. He right. sent it to New York for further study. Right. Both these guys, I, I this report is said to be a moray eel. Keep in mind, both these guys had extensive work with more eels. So they should know. They both would have seen a, it's a more eel. Hell, the second guy couldn't tell if it was a reptile or a fish. That's not a good sign, either for the biologist or the... No, I think it. I think it's credit for the creature that, being yeah. that unusual. That's what I'm saying. Not a good sign as far as... But many, many years later, it was said to be a more eel. Mm, the preserved gotcha. specimens aren't available. Obviously, gotcha. you know, it's that kind of typical thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two more were caught. It was caught super deep. It was caught on a long line type of fishing. 
Just odd all around. Mm-hmm. Very, very odd. Ain't it odd that a house of God Get it out of your system. looks like a facade for draining death squads proclaiming jihad? We're just saying, ain't it odd? That's from Squidbillies. Now you got that out of your system? Uh, yeah, thank you. Okay. Another another <laughs> claim suggests this was actually one of the first oarfish ever caught. Oh, okay. I often dispute this. Okay. Oarfish are notoriously sensitive. Keep in mind this story, if it is accurate and it's telling. It was caught on a long line. Mm-hmm. As far as we know, oarfish are kind of basically like small game hunters, like filter feeders. Would not be chunking a big chunk of meat off a long line on the bottom. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, true. Secondly... They're extremely sensitive. So for it to be caught, shoved onto a boat, driven to land, kept for a month in a tide pool alive, shipped to New York where it stayed alive for a further month as it was constantly trying to escape its enclosure. Slamming its face in the glass. Suggests that this is not an oarfish. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, would, I, would, I can follow that line of logic. Otherwise, it was an oarfish that was given an extraordinary amount of steroids. Or that, too. Or maybe, like we said in the previous episode, math. But keep in mind, look at an oarfish's description. Like, look at an oarfish. They're silver with red highlights. Like, yeah. they're vibrantly silver. Does not This thing was brown Yeah. with yellow spots. Yellow bands or something. Yellow right? bands or spots with a reptilian moray eel-type head. Mm-hmm. Oarfish are flat. Yeah, it's like a flat face, right? Yeah, no, they're completely, like, flat when you look at them coming at you. Yeah. Like, they're, it's like there's nothing there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, probably not that. So, at least with the moray eel, the original description kind of described it as, like, it's kind of like a moray, but it's not. Okay. At least somebody's like, oh, it's just a different type of moray. Right, Which, yeah. to be fair, there are hundreds of types of moray. Which very well could be right, yeah. Uh, and then somebody else, like, it's an oarfish. Yeah, that guy probably should have his license revoked. Like, I don't, it's not an oarfish. It's like the, it's, I, it's, it's not an oarfish! It's like the sorry, guy. it's Mothman was coming back, and I was yeah. just thinking of that stupid balloon. And, yeah, and the, that's exactly what I was saying. Hill say. Crane, I was having some issues. Oh man, it's just flashbacks. This is so much parallels to Mothman. So it's only six foot long, so it's not even out of the possibility of moray eel. Right. Yeah. That's what's a weird thing, and then it kept getting described as a sea serpent, as we've recently done with a couple of these like sea serpents, like. What keeps coming back to me is the reptilian description. Yeah. Why do they keep calling a reptile? And there's not a lot to go off of here. My One of my big assumptions is that it may have had scales or scaly-like skin. More eels do not have anything that looks like scales. They do not have scaly skin. They oh. have very smooth. Like, most eels have very smooth, like, flesh skin. Like a loach? They're not eels, and they have scales. Oh, they have scales? Yeah, they're just tiny. They're like trout. Oh, they're really smooth, though. They're more like a catfish. Oh, okay. More like a catfish, okay. Like no, no scales, just skin. Just skin, okay. So one of the things why it could be called a reptile is why that, that's why I could think. Right. The other thing is uh, when it was in the tank, it may have been trying to breathe. <laughs> is why he was panicking so hard. Is it literally had the tiniest little bit of space. Yeah. If oh, it was an actual would, reptile. That would be awful. Well, eventually, it got too tired and drowned. So, like, we talked about with the Glasher. No, no, there's no R. Glashtar. 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 Sounds like we're speaking Russian. Yeah. It's, Sorry, all of our... If you listen to that episode, our last... A couple well, weeks ago. A couple weeks ago from the... The Sea Serpent. The, yeah. Anyways, uh, whatever it's like that, where they do have to take breaks. They do have to, like, bask for a little bit. Right. And they're just like, oh, that's a weird reptile, and they threw it in. And it just drowned eventually. Oh, you think if a biologist wasn't sure if it was 
a serpent or a fish, you know, or whatever, he wouldn't classify it. If he th- wasn't sure, he would at least give it some air space for air, a space to come up on the. No, it's pulled out of the ocean. It breathes water, obviously, yeah. like a whale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like a whale breathes water. Like a manatee. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Same difference. <sighs> Idiot. I feel like that's how a lot of biologists, like before 1954, talked. See, I know. But 1940. I'll go 1940. We're speculating a lot, but just some was... of the reports I've had to read. Yeah, like, well, see, but there might be a thing where they're only allowing those guys to do the reporting. Like people that don't know Jack. Like, know? Uh, what was the one we did on Patreon a couple weeks ago? Eating eating sea monsters. Yeah. Where they had that dog, like, crustacean, like, eel thing. R- right, exactly. And the biologist like, no, we're going to take good care of it. And the second he got away from the guy, he just dissected it immediately. It was alive and perfectly healthy eating raw potatoes. And he's... The second he's like, and he's like, it was just a pet. Yeah, let's kill, like, let's hey, cut it open and see what's inside me. Like of. instantly. Yeah. It's just some people. This right. is way before you needed a, a degree. Oh, yeah. There's some professions. I don't believe everybody needs a degree. Right. But there are some professions you should probably have a degree. It helps. All right. Ready for the... What do you think of this monster? This eel? This reptile? This thing? Uh, it's... It's not, I don't, it's, it's a weird creature, but it's, I don't think it has anything to do with any of these ships, with anybody going missing or nothing like that. What if it's a juvenile, like we talked about with the Gloucester monster? Okay. That, that literally, that they get a hundred foot long. See, no, well, that's a whole different story, yeah. I mean, these ones in particular, in captivity, it might just be another eel or something, like, because we know it's. What, I'm just saying, what are they, are really baby sea serpents, are right. really the babies of these monsters? Then that 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 leads to the door open, you know, for sea serpents because they're caught down in like ships. I said, you know, two hundred fathoms of water, which isn't super super crazy. To you. Right? Yeah, it's fairly shallow compared and, to thirteen thousand. But yeah, that's, but it's right off the edge. Right? Yeah, it's right. So on what if the edge. Dad is over the edge and he's one hundred fifty foot long and he gets on these ships and he's eating everybody off these ships? Well, wouldn't that mean he have to come to shallow to like give birth? I guess or not really. I don't know. I don't know either. Some of them don't. Yeah, true. Like oceanic sunfish just kind of shoot their eggs and sperm out there and then let their babies end up wherever. Right, yeah. Those those are the are biggest those, bony fish on the planet. I was going to say, those are those giant-looking, weird-looking fish. Ain't nothing messing with them, really. It's not an oarfish. Yeah, I agree with that. But I sea serpent, yeah, I mean, it could be a sea serpent. <sighs> oarfish comes up other times, too. Yeah, or... Everybody, if you don't know what an oarfish is, please look it up because it makes you. It's it's like the stupid sandhill crane thing from Mothman. Yeah, we're like, call it an owl. <laughs> like it looks like an owl over an orf. No, no, no. Over the sandhill crane. Yeah, no, no. I was just gonna be like, dumb. at least the moray looks kind of like what the thing is described as. Right. It's an oarfish, completely the wrong color, and the wrong shape. Yeah, but in the wrong dis- disposition. It's a, you know, but they're it's there. A variant. Yeah, it's a variant, probably. Okay. You ready for the next one? Okay, yes. It's one we've talked about before. Ooh. The Lushka. Okay. The Lushka, or the Leska. It's pronounced a couple different ways. Right. I call it the Lushka. Yeah. It looks like Lucas. That's the uh, Russian, like, the serpent, right? Or am I no. mixing it up? This is a sharktopus. Oh, the sharktopus. Okay. Yeah, duh, duh. The blue hole monster. Maybe it's the way you said Lushka. It- so the Bermuda hi- Triangle. It's completely dotted with blue holes. These oh. giant limestone caverns that lead that some people speculate all connect underground and lead to some freshwater ones in the inland Florida and inland uh, Bahamas. Hmm. There's even some evidence they go all the way out to Bermuda. Hmm. But don't worry, my 
dudes and dudettes. Blue holes will come back later. We're okay. going to talk about the monsters that may be present in them, like the Lushka. Like the Lushka. The Bahamas are home to the blue holes, known home of an elusive underwater cave monster. These natural structures are said to be the home of the Lushka. The Lushka has been described in varying ways. Some cryptozoologists have suggested it's merely just a gigantic octopus with a monstrous intent. While many others describe this as a half-shark, half-octopus abomination. Mm. It has razor-sharp teeth and multiple sucker tentacles. It is sometimes said to have many of the same characteristics of a colossal octopus, but has also been described in different things as having multiple heads, dragon-like features, and appearing as vaguely described as an evil spirit. So this is like that underwater CRISPR lab just pumping out these weird animals. That's what's going on here. So, so my, so my witness have to describe the Lushka as appearing like a squeal, a squid eel hybrid rather than a shark octopus hybrid. Oh, okay. Uh, but the Lushka is said to be well over 75 feet long, possibly growing as large as 200 feet. It can change color, much like that of their smaller cousins, the octopus. It has a rugged underwater terrain of these large underwater caves in the edge of the continental shelf. The other areas are large crustaceans are found and are assumed to be their food source. Hmm. So the fish and animals find inside these blue ca- these blue holes have been said to be abnormally large in general. So there are types of octopus that live there that get quite big, but now they're saying they may even be bigger. I wonder how big some of these blue holes can be. Uh, I've I seen some that are like three, 400 feet wide, but they oh. go down thousands of feet. You're right, exactly. Yeah, that's... So lo- like, and you can, sometimes they're like right off the beach. Dang. Imagine getting sucked in one of those. Well, no, they don't like suck in. They just oh. pull you down to your death. Well, a tentacle. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so uh, many Same sources difference. describe the locals' feel about the Lushka. Rob Murphy at uh, Cryptopedia uh, claims that the Lushka has been inspiring terror among fishermen and scuba divers along with Blue Hole for decades. Other sources say the local legends claim that the inland Blue Holes, the tidal current's result is the Lushka breathing in and out of its lair. So they're all connected with the tides, like the, in- the inland Blue Holes in Florida and in these islands yeah. go out and in. With the tide. So they lower and raise. Yeah. So they are connected. Underwater. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. 100% connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has also been said that the eyewitnesses' account of Lushka's killing people when they get way too close to their lair, even dragging them from the shore down into the caves. We'll talk about this more in a minute. Okay. The disappearance of swimmers and cave divers in these areas are often attributed to Lushka. And sometimes sources claim locals have been witnesses to Lushka snatching people off the decks of boats and even dragging whole boats down. Uh, in the same vein, the disappearances of entire boats, like I just said, have been blamed on the Lushka. And finally, some sources claim that the local fishermen have will pass the blue holes in silence, fearing the noise that attracted creature. But before we move on to the St. Augustine monster, which is often accompanied by the Lushka. Okay. So, yeah, this thing is said to live in these blue holes. Right. So these super deep blue holes. They can be like, most of them are like 50 foot wide. Some of them can be several hundred feet. In, I think like some of the bigger ones are like 400 feet. Why? That's wow! What a hole! Most locals will f- go all the way around them. They won't even bother going. They over won't go. It. They will not go over them. Uh, people like don't fish in them. People don't swim too close to them. Uh, there have been tons and tons of reports of like people like, especially tourists, being near these holes on the beach, and like a big purple or blue tentacle grabs them and drags them into the hole. Uh, well, it, it is said I- to found like scrape marks from turtles and stuff being dragged into the holes too at night. That's like nightmare fuel. 
So there's even been accounts like like especially it's a lot of white people. It's a lot of white people that are getting swimming over top of these oh. holes. Like oh. they're like parking their boats over top and then drowning, like hmm. disappearing, never being found again. Hmm. There's even that one report, like I kind of said, that it was like a yacht, like a 49 foot yacht that some of the local kids were like watching because they're like parked on top of the blue hole, like, like sacrilege. Like what are you doing? Like, are you trying to get everybody killed? And then saying that it got wrapped up in tentacles and just yanked down into the blue hole. They watched this. That's a real report. Yeah. No way. Uh, we did the Luchka before. No, I know, but I still mind bl- blows my mind. So some of the famous dive reports are divers going into the blue holes, which does happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, so if you remember back to the episode, the one guy said there was like cause it, when you go into these holes, there's like little side holes everywhere. Oh, they yeah. only go back like 30 or 40 feet. Mm. It's limestone caves. So they think that's the home and like apartments for these giant octopuses. Right. Or any, I mean, anything. Uh, but the guy got down there and he felt like he was looking at a wall. And he felt like the wall was looking back at him. Yeah. Like he's only like 10 feet from this wall. It's full of corals and crabs and starfish, all kinds of life. And he's looking at this wall very, very, very intensely. And he's like, he feels like it's staring right back at him. And somebody calls to him and he turns around to look at them. And the whole wall picks up and rushes past him and knocks him down as the wall dives down into the cave. Jeez. He's like, it was all, the whole wall was one living octopus. Oh, it'd be, that would be extremely scary. So there's also tales of the Lushka being bioluminescent. Oh, okay. Do you remember that? Yes, vaguely. So the holes, and this has been recorded, I believe, several times on video, whether you want to believe the video or not, the holes will glow at night. Right. Nobody knows why. And they say the Lushka itself is bioluminescent. Let's say it is a cephalopod. That's not uncommon. If it is an actual giant octopus or giant squid of some kind. Yeah. You know, the giant squid and giant octopus themselves aren't bioluminescent, but their smaller cousins have some of the most dazzling like displays of anything on the planet. Uh, so let's say it's something like that, that where the whole like, this giant Lushka or this population of Lushka, they live in these deep, super dark caves. We're only seeing a couple of them that live near the surface. Right, right, exactly. They may communicate better with bioluminescence. They may hang out, you know, talking but or impressing each other with bioluminescence. Or they're just down there having a rave. <laughs> or a Fish. topic oh. that will come up later is that they may be the guards, whether on purpose or on accident, of an underground base in these caverns. That's what I think it is. By sources unknown. Sources unknown from parts that, unknown. That's like that's like part four or maybe five at this point. Okay, secret base. Which, whether and this is like the same thing we kind of talk about with Bigfoot. Whether the Lushka is put there, right? It's made. I don't think it is. I think it's a natural occurring creature that may be being used as a guard dog. Yeah. Or if they where this them. is their home, or if they just trained them. They're octopus. Well, if it, if it was their home, how would they get? They'd have to get by them first. Yes, or- if it's the U.S. government, don't worry. They killed a bunch of them to get by them and mm. just let the ones breed on the outside. Mm. It's the U.S. government. These aren't the these aren't yacht swimmers, right? Yeah, with very spear true. guns. Very true. These are the people that uh, under these guys have underwater napalm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They they create fire underwater. Uh, but no, the Lushka is very like. There's also some reports, and this is a really cool one, that the Lushka is actually a bunch of little individual octopuses Ooh. that are all working together to form these big body like structures. Like Xanaphores. Uh, yeah, like Xanaphores. But hunting in tandem and literally drowning their victims and stuff like that. So awful. But they know what they're doing. Yeah, because people have talked about Lushkas like swimming underneath their boats and stuff like that. And then breaking up into hundreds of little pieces. Oh, okay, gotcha. 
So whether they then that's where the spiritual aspect of Lushka comes from. Right, yeah. But some people speculated, mainly me, that it's actually a whole bunch of little like mimicry octopus that are holding hands to form what looks like giant bodies and even hunting that way hmm. to take down these larger prey animals. I mean it could have been could be a learned behavior. We're talking about the one of the other smartest animals on the planet. Exactly, yeah. Cephalopods. It's not too far fetched to think that they're capable of doing that. Yeah. So I think but the the diver story is really cool. Like these people seeing these lights down there is really cool. The yeah. Lushka has this whole thing, this whole aura about it. What do you think of the Lushka? I mean, with the blue holes there, like in that cave system, I, who knows how deep it goes? You know, and I'm sure it's never been mapped. I'm sure there's no billionaire driving a submarine down there to map it all out, right? Or maybe there should be though. Um, you win this. I don't know. It's just it's in the air, but. Uh, I like the mysteriousness of under or just caverns in general, deep cave systems. Now, we've discussed it a lot, you know, terrestrially, but we really don't talk too much about under the water, under ocean caves, especially of this magnitude of this size. If, if what we speculate already lives in the ones on, that we know about on land around us in the mammoth cave system that we still don't even know how big it actually is. And, you know, all the weird life we're discovering in there. Just imagine what sea life is in a deep sea cavern or cave. Because sea life's already weird in general. So now I'm, you put them both together, I bet there's like weird friggin' monsters in those caves. I can only imagine. Let's talk about the St. Augustine monster, which is probably still the Lushka. Okay. But it's just in Florida rather than mm-hmm. the Bahamas. <laughs> In 2005, an underwater photographer reportedly was attacked by what he described as a giant octopus, which is not uncommon. We've talked about giant octopus several times on this show. And attacking with most of those other encounters is a very loose term. Okay. You know, when you corner an animal, whether you realize you corner the animal or not, the animal's going to defend itself. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's smart or not doesn't matter. It's, it's just, just like a human. When yeah, a human is the most dangerous when they're cornered. When your back's against the wall? Is yeah. when, like, your brain goes full animalistic. Like, right, yeah. So this 2005 underwater photographer was reportedly attacked by what he considered a giant octopus. The unusual thing was the size of said creature, around 50 feet wide. Personally, when I think he was attacked by a 50 foot wide octopus, he'd be dead. <laughs> well, that's it's, we'll get back to that. When the photo, when the photographer put up his camera in front of him to protect himself, the octopus took the camera and disappeared way down into the caves. Another account tells of a man who was swimming near one of these blue holes around sundown and was violently grabbed and pulled underwater. Uh, so a bunch of he had a bunch of swimmers would dive down and supposedly pulled him out of the grasp. There he had it. There's no pictures, but all locals said he had the suction scars for years and years after. Oh, okay. Another cruise diver was attempting to catch the Luska, so going out of his way to get it. Smart. At some point during the expedition, he realized that something large and heavy was pulling out the traps that he had been setting while breaking the lines. So he was putting all these what he used giant octopus traps. Something was collecting them and breaking them off with the metal clips. Uh, one of the traps was pulled so hard, the boat dragged backwards a, a speed over one knot. I don't know how fast a knot is, though. Look it up. I don't know. Either. Oh, okay. I mean, that sounds... I know it's not It's fast, slow. especially with something yeah. pulling this boat backwards. Yeah. At this time, the unborn sonar described a very large description and the crew seen a large pyramid-like shaped creature. After the boat was dragged for some distance, the line went slack and the traps were being pulled to get up. 
Uh, the crew saw the traps were twisted and bent completely out of shape. Keep in mind, these are metal crab and octopus traps. They're okay. quite hard and robust. Gotcha. So one knot is only 1.15 mile per hour. But, but it's you know a 30-foot ship being dragged backwards at that speed. Exactly. A backwards. That's the important part. So probably against the motor, too. Now, well, the most famous thing of this is out on July 18, 2011, a body of what appeared to be a giant octopus washed ashore in Grand Bahama Islands in the Bahamas. It seemed to be only the head in some parts of the tentacles, leading local fishermen to speculate the entire creature was well over 30 foot wide. Okay. Naturally, given the location size, this theorized the creature may be a young Lushka. A young Lushka. A baby Lushka. Yeah. Hmm. I don't... I, I, be, I do believe that this Lushka creature does exist. I don't know if I believe it's a giant octopus. Right, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Uh, I don't know what it is, I though. do think there's giant octopus in the blue holes, though. Yeah. I, I think it's just kind of like... It's good habitat, right? They just... Oh, yeah. It's per- one of the perfect things. But yeah. I think they're just there, and Lushka maybe something else. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of sharks, too. And sharks are villainized in modern culture. They're not villains. They're just animals. Right. But there's a lot of sharks there. And a lot of people doing dumb things, like a lot of tourists. Right. You know, the locals say, swim in the shallow water. Don't go swim in that thousand-foot water in the middle of that hole. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Because you're a human, and everything in there could swim better than you and has teeth. And wants to eat. It's hungry. Yeah. Nah. Park my boat right out there. Yeah, well, I'll catch one. Let me throw my rod out there. You know, it's a very Westerner culture thing. To where when we get to an area with locals and the locals are like, ah, we don't do that. Or we like when you see locals avoiding these holes, you're like, I'm gonna drive right through the middle of it, show all these Yeah. Show all these primitive people how cool I am and then the boat disappears. Right, yeah. It's like a reason we've been driving around that hole for the last five hundred years. Because yeah. everybody parked on top of it disappeared. They don't know nothing. Yeah. Well, how do you like so what have we had done so far? A giant a giant shark to puss, <laughs> big eel like creature. Uh wait. giant squids. Oh, in general, mm-hmm. the creatures in this area. I mean, we know, like I said earlier, we know like beasts do exist in the ocean, and especially this part. And when you get, when you add the addition of the underground caverns and giant octopus, giant. I, I mean, even the giant squid you talked about at the beginning. There's a lot of big creatures already living in this deep hole that's surrounded by shallow land. So. I, I I don't want to be I don't want to even go over this part of the water. So you said yourself you don't think the Lushka is the one doing all this, or the giant squids aren't, or the giant octopus aren't doing all this. Who do you think is killing all these people, or dragging all this stuff down, or breaking all this stuff? Well, something. Who? What? What you think the kraken? Well, let's save that. Okay. What about mermaids? Oh, mermaids. You I... think I was going to do this whole thing with the Bermuda mermaids? Uh, I Bermuda, guess. Bermuda, huh? Mermaids are not nice creatures, but. This lady wrote a story from her childhood from the Cat Islands in uh, the Bahamas about her mermaids. Ooh, okay. The Cat Island, a hidden gem tucked away in central Bahamas, boosted by the coat line fringe of scheduled dazzling pinks and white sandy beaches. The Quiet Island is a cultural hub for authentic Bermudian traditions and folklore engraved in the soils. The rims of the rake and scrapes band pulsates the breeze along the coastline. While hospitable, or hos- I can't say that word. Hosp- hospitable. Okay. Hospitable. Hospitality. You nailed it. Hospitality Hosp- of residents, charm visitors. Okay. I, but it takes me out of the moment when oh. I have to like. Anyways, not only the home of spectacular beaches, many people, Cat Island is home to some legends, both historical and culture. 
As a child, I heard many tales of the Cat Island for their popular mermaids at mermaid holes to the sea monsters to the boiling points. So mermaid holes. Like that's the blue holes. Yeah, I know. Like this culture, this other side of the culture calls them the mermaid holes. Hmm. Uh, they still drag you down to your death. Well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, let's get into it. Folklore is enriched in the culture fabric of the Bermudas. Or, sorry, the Bahamas. It bugs me they both start with a B. But the Cat Island legends refer to as no myth. It's a story of an individual who claimed to fame and had made global impact. Son of the Soil, Academy Award winner, and tantalizing pioneer, Sir Sidney Pointer? Pinter? P-O-I-T-E-R? P-O-I-T-E-R? I, or so P-O-I-T-I-E-R. Oh, I think this is French. Poitiers. Okay. So Sidney Poitiers yeah. was bred and native to Cat Island. He was born in the United States during the weekend, or sorry, a weekend trip from his parents, James and Elaine. Okay, maybe not. Maybe it's not French, but we'll go, made go to on. The, uh, made to Miami to sell their tomato crop. So he was accidentally born on American soil mainland. Mm. Uh, his parents were tomato farmers from the uh, uh, author town Cat Island. Sydney was the youngest of seven children. The icon spent his form. Look up what he did, because I didn't do that. What do you mean? Look up what he's famous for, because he's, he's an Academy Award winner. Oh, okay. Sydney is the youngest of seven children, and his iconic uh, formative years were spent in Cat Island. His early boyhood experiences on Cat Island sculpted him into legend. He would become not much of a legend. I don't know who he is. Oh, I've seen this guy before. Show me his face. Um, Show me his face. Well, that's old photo, old photo. I mean, I don't know. Oh, I know him. Yeah, he has a familiar face. I think it is Sidney Poitier. I, oh, at the I, age of 10, uh, his father was a cab driver. Uh, they moved to Nassau. Nassau Pointer quickly became sidetracked by juvenile delinquency. As a result, his father sent him to Miami to live with his older siblings. He made the big jump, trading and relaxing island boy lifehood to become a concrete jungle at 15 years old. With $3 in his pocket, he moved to New York City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to get to where he talks about the mermaids he's seen, but yeah, I know. Let's let's come on. Where are you at, Sydney? He 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 dis- He actually just died last year at the Did age he? of ninety four. Yep, and he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in two thousand nine. Pretty uh, pretty uh, substantial stuff from Mister Poitier. I hope I'm saying that right, or I'm going to sound like just an idiot. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure people will be quick to. Correct me on that one because it seems to happen quite a bit. So basically, he just talks about how he says, as he was a kid, he witnessed mermaids flipping in one of the holes one time. Oh, okay. And he talked about that later in his life. Uh, but he's famed for one of the like first breakout black actors. Yeah. Uh, in North America, uh, to actually get some like great level of fame. Okay. Like so I said, I Cat know Island what... mermaids are located in the mermaid holes. They're said to basically be like the classic uh, Caribbean mermaids. They're not good to be around. Right, yeah. You know what it reminds me of? That story about that guy that went to Africa. Hmm. And they get, they, the locals literally said, or they told him, like, you don't go in the lake. You don't swim in the lake and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then someone told him, like, he was asking why, why. And they said, okay, we'll just go out there and do it. Who was that? It was, uh, oh, I think he talked about it on the Joe Rogan show. It wasn't it wouldn't. Sp- it wasn't Spike Lee, I don't think. Maybe it was Spike Lee. But anyways, they went out. He went out to the lake and he seen the 
basically a mermaid came even jumped up out of the water in front of him like, we've talked about this on our, our yeah. modern mermaids episode yeah exactly i don't so, remember his name I, I, can't, I can't remember exactly who it was right now in the moment but it reminds me of that like hey don't go there these are dangerous well why okay go and just see what it is all right we're gonna take a break for the ads and then we'll be back you ready you have no idea what button i'm gonna push do you nope Neither do i let's try this one Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. And we're back. All right. I like that, that was, one. That was a, I didn't know what I downloaded to the soundboard. That was intense. I know. He's like, all right. Back to more monsters. This is going to be a little bit of a longer episode already. Bermuda Blob. It's the name of two globsters that washed ashore in Bermuda, both in 1988 and 1997, almost 10 years apart. The first blob was described by fisherman and treasure hunter Teddy Tucker in 1988 in a mangrove bay. Tucker described the blob as being two and a half feet thick. Two and a half thick. Thick. As well as being very white and fibrous. Also described as having five arms and legs in a disfractional star pattern. Okay. The second blob was in 1997. Okay. That's the information present on the second blob. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, no. No, I'll get back to the second. Uh, anyways, so these are whale flesh. That's what I was just going to say. It just sounds just like that. These are whale. These are chunks of rotting whale. Blubber, right? Yeah. It's very fibrous and stuff like that, but... It's odd to see because like, uh, most ocean scavengers don't let a lot of whale wash up unless they're beached or something like that. Yeah. So you don't really get to see like just the chunks. Like we talked about blubber on this show before, like myst- mystery cetacean station uh, that, you know, the whales blubbers kind of come off like a sock when whales die. Right, so the blubber will float and the rest of the skeleton will fall to the bottom of the ocean. So gross to think about. But samples from the first specimen were analyzed in 1995. The was born. It was suggested they were from... Hey, are you ready for this? Yeah. Platomothric sea creature. Either a large bony fish, shark, or ray. Hmm. Basically means a platonic sea creature, like a big filter feeder. Okay. I was like, yeah, I had no idea. As reanalysis used advanced genetic techniques not previously available confirmed the remains to be that of a whale. Mm. Analysis of the second Bermuda blob sample suggests it was a large mass of adipose tissue of that of a whale also. Mm. Uh, of course. That was a 97 one? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it was just funny that the first, I don't even know what test they were doing in 1995 that they thought, like, 
it was a large bony fish shark or ray. About, I just don't get like it doesn't specify what test. Hmm. Well, you think you would know something, being or you would have an idea at least. But so if it's stumping you, that's. I mean, I don't get what tests where they would pull this thing in or realize it's not blubber. Yeah. Even though, it, I mean, it is blubber, but to make them think it's not blubber, I don't know what test then they would do to identify it as a bony fish. Something else, yeah. Oh, you know, they just seen, like, some characteristics of it. It's an, oh, that's what it is. I'm right. It was probably some uh, higher-up academic, you know, sci- or, you know, researcher or professor that nailed this one. Nailed it. Yeah. All right, next. Next. The Bermuda Beast. Oh, okay. Maybe the bloop. Maybe. Let's bring home our boy, the bloop. Bringing him back. Let's say we've talked about the one at Point Nemo. We've talked about the one in Northern Scandinavia that keeps eating all that cable. Cable, yep. What about the one in the Bermuda Triangle? That's digging all these blue holes. There has been rumors of what is essentially a living island or a living sandbar. George. <laughs> I was trying not to laugh, episode one. Uh, no, so there literally has been like an animal so large has been reported in the Bermuda Triangle for about 300, 400 years now, hmm. saying that like there's been talk of moving islands. Hmm. Like okay. people literally watching islands move, and eventually people wrote it down as tectonic like movements, like literally islands sloughing off into the ocean. Okay. But there's tons between the Bahamas and Bermuda. There's tons of little islands. And then not out in the big like advanced mass of the ocean. But there's been islands that have been documented outside in the Bermuda Triangle that don't exist. Interesting. Like they put down GPS coordinates. Like they know exactly where it is. So and then they went there and it's gone. It's gone. A lot of people claim that there's a living island or a moving island out there. Ooh, let's go find it. Now, this island is said to be... Uh, very docile sometimes, and then very aggressive other times, taking out ships in a, like a glance. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Uh, okay. So like I said, this is, uh, this beast is the one that's been reported to knock planes out of the air. The island beast? Yeah. Okay. Now, we've talked about the bloop recording. Right. There has been, it's now, it's not as loud as the one in the Pacific. But they were oh, they're recording. But there has been one in the bomb or in the Bermuda Triangle several times. Now, what if it's something just echoing out of these cave systems? Wouldn't that like make it be like a resonance thing that make it louder? So I'm talking about what seems to be a large organic unidentified creature. Sound. Right. Yeah. I mean, what if there is a large like organic creature, but it's maybe not that big. But what if the the resonance of the cave? This is not about the caves anymore. This is, is like about the living island projecting it. Out. This is about oh. the, the male bloop. Okay. Okay. So what if out in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle, there's there's one of the bloops, one right? Of these yeah. species, like one of this giant, like we talked about, literally a living, like what reef. if reef, like a living reef? The, like we talked about the Point Nemo one could be a giant living reef yeah. or a creature that's the symbiotic relationship with a reef or sponges or something right. on its back. What if this one is more coastal? What if they're like giant, basically decorator crabs, to where they design a garden on their back? Well, you know, the decorator crabs use as camouflage and right. protection. What are these guys are using it as partial food consumption? Like they're getting benefits off of these these organisms growing on their back, and the organisms get protection. Right, like a, a symbiotic relationship. So now what if ships and planes are getting too close to what it would be their gardens on their back? Mm. And it's defensive mechanism that they're protecting what, you know, 
I wonder what, what kind of creature you speculate this would actually look like. I mean, I'm talking whatever. If this thing is a real legitimate thing, it'd be so ancient order. Like it'd be an order that doesn't exist anymore. At least, like not, not like a horseshoe crab. Like way ancienter. At least like I'm talking about the orders from like when the oceans were all freaky, and they're freaky now. I mean, like when things didn't make sense. Like the Cambrian yeah. explosion era. Yeah. To where these are from, like back all the way back then. Then, yeah. Hmm. And they're just massive. Well, yeah. Once you're living for you know hundreds of thousands of years, if not millions of years, right? If you're well, if you're that, if you get that big, what's really going to stop you besides being able to reproduce? But what was staggering is literally the amount of stories of these islands just appearing and disappearing. Yeah. Sometimes in like hundreds of feet of water. Sometimes in thousands of feet of water. Yeah, that shouldn't be the case. So it's almost like a creature that's swimming at the surface. Exactly. Yeah. There's also stories of gigantic turtles. Or that, what is best described as a turtle. That was my as first being thought. living islands. Yeah. I don't think they're turtles. I think they're getting on the back of some shelled animal, maybe, an exoskeleton or something, or at least a hard piece. Yeah. And their best reference is a sea turtle. Yeah. I mean, even if it has that body plan, too. Like, yeah, and a lot of the Cambrian animals that were going all the way back then, like, all are basically filtering disc with flippers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, what if it's the bloop? What if this is like, that's the mystery behind the triangle? Is it happens to be a shallow water bloop? Hmm. Now we know from the northern Scandinavian proposed bloop, does not like modern technology. Right, exactly. Does not like stuff, but it's very docile until it's encroached upon. Right. So what if this one happens to be just shallower? So it's being encroached upon much more easily. Where the deep water bloop, the ships going over top of it don't bug it because it's so far away. But when you're this shallow, where your back's sticking out, you're growing actual trees and such on you, yeah. that now planes and ships are bothering you, hmm. and it's lashing out, you know. And we've had, we've taught, like, there's tons and tons and tons of old monster stories. Literally, the first type of kraken was described as a giant crustacean, not a, not a tentacled beast. Okay. Okay. Like, literally, uh, I can't remember what movie did it recently, but, like, literally, they were both, like... There's an old story of them boating inside the claws of the Kraken, and it snapped shut. Oh, like cut their ship in half? Yeah. No, like you know, we got cr- like the sh- the claws of the Kraken were sticking out of the water. They thought it were two mountain peaks. Oh, okay. Like a crab claw. Two separate claws. And like, then and they, right in the they boat in between it and snapped shut. <sighs> Wait, what snapped shut? They the all claw. the claws they snapped shut. Oh, like the in between the the lower and the bigger part of the claw. Right. The yeah. Boats, and they, oh, so it did. Okay. Oh, right on the boat. And uh, the boat was so tiny in it. Yeah. They thought these were mountain peaks. Right, yeah. Oh, what a rude awakening. So what if it's something like that? What if that's causing it? Well, hmm. It's weird. The Bahama, the, the Bermuda beast has been described. It's weird. It's very undescript. It's in a lot of the folklore in both Bermuda and the Bahamas yeah. of this living island. It's very not good to be around. Uh, sailors disappearing with it and stuff like that. Well, that, I mean, that's, if, especially it's got big stinking claws like that i mean that could easily pull a ship down or even anything anything of that size could pull a ship down or even just moving quickly by a ship could sink it if it's actually of that size oh yeah just flexing its body could destroy everything around it. right i mean you're making this thing uncomfortable yeah and it just disturbs or it rustles around a little bit it could it could cause like a big wave that could sink here or something who knows big waves hold on to that oh big big clapping waves perhaps (laughs) but uh, i mean even a creature that big, you got that big pit or trench right in the middle of it all, too. If it needs to go down, it probably could. Something that big probably doesn't affect it too much going down to deep depth. It could probably handle pressure pretty well. Would be my Yeah, it's just my assessment. 
And uh, what if those islands, maybe no one's ever actually landed on them. It, it, they just have like, whatever debris or whatever growing on their back. They can go underwater and come back up. I don't know. So Sinbad had that with the giant fish, the living fish island. And then when all oh, the, the movie, the, yeah, Sinbad the movie, when all the on all the plants could sense when it was about to dive, and they'd all tuck into like themselves. This could be something like that too. Soft disclosure. Sinbad is it's soft a, disclosure. We're not even into the UFOs and everything like that yet, and we're no, already sh- getting to soft disclosure. I'm sure that's coming. Oh yeah, that's a whole. It's this is a lot of episodes. Oh, I bet. This, we may not even have a season break for everybody at this home. This will just be season four. <laughs> it just rolls right into season four. This is season four, Bermuda Triangle, part 50. <laughs> part 50. No, so next one on my list, the Kraken. Right. So like we already talked about, the Scandinavian Kraken early days were much different than the modern ver- modernized version of the Kraken. Mm-hmm. Uh, this tentacled beast, though, sailors were dealing with it, especially what we called buccaneers and pirates of you know the 16th and 17th centuries, uh, were dealing with Kraken on a pretty regular basis in their ships in the open expanse in the Bermuda Triangle, well before it was ever known as the Bermuda Triangle. Gosh. And they would describe them as giant, either tentacled beast or even being described as almost like giant black, uh, like giant sharks attacking the fronts of their ships and stuff like that. Ooh, giant shark, tentacled beasts? Sharktopus. Yeah, the Lushka. Lushka, yeah. Lushka. Lushka. Been around longer than we realized. But no, so there's just, I, I didn't have a good, like, one account of this. This is something we had to bring up. Okay. It's the Kraken. Yeah, I mean, and we don't know what the Kraken is, but there's, a, like, you know, to actually put a pin in it and say this is actually what it exactly was, but there's so much folklore to the Kraken. And, you know, whether it's true, I feel like there has some semblance of truth to it, you know, whether smoke or fire. I don't think it's all just, you know, be weary of the open ocean scary which it is but i don't think it's just like a scare thing now before i move on to my last big boy in the monster section before i move on to fishes i have two honorable mentions and we already kind of mentioned the one giant turtles are often reported in the in the bermuda triangle and i mean by this like giant turtles like gigantic building sized turtles yeah freighter big freighter ship turtles and giant eels okay or sea serpents but the eel type of sea serpent right are often reported Dozens and dozens and dozens inside the triangle in the last hundred years. What and we know that's where eels uh, reproduce. Mm-hmm. So I mean, so ready for the final monster? Yes. Now this one is a modern monster, as in that it's new. Okay. Its name is Old Hitler. Okay. <laughs> so this what is what a weird name. Miami's infamous monster. Oh, this is a Miami monster. Okay. Yeah, but he's been seen all over the coast and then uh, out in the out in the Gulf, or not in the Gulf, in the uh, in the Bermuda Triangle. So the search for old Hitler, Florida's legendary hammerhead. Oh, a hammerhead. The legend of old Hitler is surrounded by stories of large hammerhead sharks, similar to the one of Florida State or archive photos. There is some debate whether old Hitler is a single hammerhead or a whole separate species of supersized large shark. For decades, legendary old Hitler has been subject to fishermen folklore all the way down the, to the Gulf of Mexico, all the way up to South Carolina. Depending on your sources, old Hitler is, has a head that's wide as a pickup truck, up to six to seven feet. Good Lord. And he's been, a t- he's, fishing boats have spotted it from. Uh, the hammerhead is big enough to swallow other sharks in single bites. It's strong enough to drag a jeep in from the shoreline all the way into the ocean. <coughs> is ma- so he's been th- he's been several years featured on Shark Week. 
Old Hitler. Yeah. Did they keep him that name on the show too? No. He's no. He got that old. It was first kind of seen like as this giant black demon hammerhead shark in World War Two. Oh. And he was an a-hole back oh, then. Oh, okay. So they just named him Old Hitler. Old, yeah, okay. His massive body is covered in scars, uh, with several encounters saying fishermen have slashed him with machetes, harpoons, and boat propellers. Even though the legend has evolved over the last century, what always remains constant is Old Hitler is the biggest, meanest shark to ever roam the Florida, or just to ever roam Florida. The mightiest shark has ever been subject to numerous newspaper headlines and documentaries over the years. He's been immortalized in art and songs. Uh, so yeah, there's old Hitler songs. Mm-hmm. This episode is gonna get flagged or something for. <laughs> Although tales of massive hammerhead with sharks have been common along the coastline since the 20th century, it wasn't until World War II that those tales became in near mythical proportions. So basically, uh, after the war effort rounded up, German U-boats invaded American waters, w- uh, waging an all-out assault on any and all marine vessels. In 1942 alone, a German submarine recorded 56 attacks on American ships on the coastline of Florida. 40 of which ended up being on the ocean floor, along with the Baja California, a f- fighter carrier that was loaded with military transport vehicles, a, fre- or a freighter that was torpedoed and sunk 55 miles off of Marco Island. Uh, basically, so commercial fishermen became one of the more large industries after the war. Encounters with giant hammer cannons became more and more frequent, frequent along with spent time on the water, seemed the hammerhead stories were all true. So basically, old Hitler is a massive black hammerhead shark yeah he is said to be a greater hammerhead or an atlantic hammerhead but he outclasses all those by a long shot just by size yeah so let's talk about the greater the great hammerhead okay it's the biggest hammerhead species that's documented as a flat mallet shaped head it's found locally all over florida and routinely rose up to mammoth proportions some even reaching 20 feet length and can easily be weighing more than a thousand pounds it's big it's big fish so long but not heavy when we talked about deep blue today on Crimson Coffee, yeah, deep blue is twenty three feet long and eight thousand pounds. A lot, lot bigger, a lot more, a lot more thick. But old Hitler is up to twenty six feet and five to six thousand pounds. That's a and it's pitch big. black in color. Is that weird for hammerheads? Yeah, like they're normally like light gray. Like they're, uh, they're this doesn't fit. I was gonna say I it's thought so. often seen targeting giant ships. Hammerheads specifically love tarpon one of the few fish they go after okay this thing goes after everything it's been seen eating dolphins and small pilot whales it's attacked boats and sank several vessels uh yeah it's been seen since like there's reports going all the way back to 1905 of a 20-foot hammerhead that weighed well over 2300 pounds uh being caught that was jet black there's also another one from 1906 that was similar 1908 that was similar Wait, you speculate so it could be the same the fish? Century, no, these were killed animals. Oh, okay, okay. okay. They were not fully documented. Gotcha, okay. But they were all jet black hammerheads. They were well over whatever we scientists think greater hammerheads can reach. Right, yeah, but they're black. Like So there's got to be something different with so them. So the bleeding theory is old Hitler is maybe the remnant of one of these populations that was wiped out on the coast. Right. Of gigantic aggressive hammerhead species. That he's not a greater hammerhead. He's something else. Right. It's its own, what? Its own, uh, what's the word? You know this. Like its own not, species. It's species. Its own species. Just its own species. Yeah. They may be just a different not phenotype. A, it's or? not a subspecies. So that'd be a phenotype. Oh, okay. okay. This is a whole other species. Species in general. Its description is very different than any greater hammerhead. They only call it a greater hammerhead is because of the size. Yeah. It's the closest thing to it. Yeah. 
So I think old Hitler is the last of the true monsters, or one of the last of the true coastal monsters. Right, yeah. He has seen, and whether it's the same animal or not, I don't know. I kind of, like, it's seen attacking boats. Like, it'll go out of its way to attack 40, 50-foot boats out of, for no reason. Well, if those boats were in the past were killing off your the rest of your family members, you might get a little aggressive over time. Mm-hmm. Gotta, I mean, you're not coming after me. You'll just keep getting bigger. I'll eat all you and keep growing. So you, I'll outclass you. Yeah, so that's it for monsters. Then we're going to do fishes. Okay. Oh, wait. Well, this is kind of a lead into fishes. Yeah, that's why I put it last. Ah, but smart. we're going to talk about just truly alien. So this is called fish from another world. Okay. Another thing we've already talked about. So the so the so this is leading into maybe some of the theories. That the Bermuda Triangle is actually an interdimensional bubble. Okay. To where stuff like old Hitler's leaking from another world. These sea serpents, all these anomalies, all these planes, all this stuff is leaking in and out of another world. Mm-hmm. So we've actually talked about this a creature before. Uh, oh, sorry. I have one more thing before we get into that. There's a quantitative and diversity of tiny creatures in the deep sea surveys of the Bermuda Triangle region of a recent survey. i just seen this. Uh, during a 20-day cruise in the last month, researchers were t- using trawl nets behind and scuba divers to explore three miles beneath the ocean surface. Previous studies of this small ocean creatures were focused on the top waters. So they just did this. They found all kinds of zooplankton, phytoplankton, and small animals that were never documented before. Oh, science so brand recently. new life. Uh, over a thousand species was just discovered in this 30-day survey. Wow. When was this? You said recently, right? Yeah, last year. Sorry, just- a 20-day survey. Over a thousand new species were discovered, Dang. including some of the most unique jellyfish, uh, un, a whole unclassified plankton and zooplankton species, small fish. Um, this survey focused on stuff less than a pound. Okay. And discovered over a thousand new species. Wow, that's so much. The one trawl net had ten thousand pounds of phytoplankton. I'm assuming that's a lot. Yeah, it was crazy. They, yeah. they didn't. They weren't expecting it. Yeah. So this is just to show. Uh, that this area of the Bermuda Triangle is extremely bioactive mm-hmm. and to kind of highlight some of these monsters. Sounds like nutrient rich. Yeah, super. It's like super nutrients. Let's talk about uh, BB's abyssal fish. We've talked, we've done a whole episode on this before on Patreon. So this is a deep ocean, 20 or 22 or 2,500 feet deep, 1930s in the Bermuda Triangle. Mm. So, uh, BB's abyssal fish. The world, the world fish indicates of different species in biology, different from the pl- plural fish. The deep sea fish is observed by William Burrow, a bathysphere in a bathysphere in the northern Atlantic Ocean. Uh, basically, he did this Norwich Island, Bermuda, between 1930 and 1934. Never seen since. So all these fish, like he, all these fish, I'm about to go over. He was the only one that seen him. He's do- well, not only one. He had people go down with him. These were documented species, and they were around in 1930 and disappeared in 1934. Never documented again. Oh, okay. It's almost like I call them fish from another world. Yeah. Because they don't fit our biology. Like fish, some of these are a loose term for fish. For fish, okay. Like that serpent that they couldn't describe whether a fish or a reptile. Right, yeah. Mm. 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 Interesting. These include the abyssal rainbow gar, the bathyspheric intica, the five-line constellation fish, the piled sailfish, and three-starred angelfish. The uh, BB's uh, bathosphere dives are incorporated in the first distinct observation of abyssal fish in their natural environment. So on November 22, 1932, 
The Bermuda Bay zoologist Dr. William Beebe uh, was twenty one hundred beneath or was twenty one hundred feet beneath the surface of the sea in his bathosphere. Do you know what a bathosphere is? No. It's like a bubble. It's like a submarine, like all, just the glass. Okay. Like an armored, like it's hard to explain. Look up a picture of one. Okay. How do you how do you spell it again? Bathosphere. Okay. It's pretty simple. Uh, but yeah. So where was I? Sorry. Bathosphere window. It's basically like you know those big bells that people used to dive in. Yes. It's like that. Oh, okay. I see it. Okay. Show me what you're looking up. Just yeah. So he's looking out the window at these fish. It's like a big iron ball with glass. Basically, yes. Uh, much much more efficient than a a, a, two, uh, a giant propane tank. Uh, with oh, he also didn't go that deep. Oh, in this? Yeah. In the bathosphere? 2,500 feet was his max depth on this story. Okay, at least he knows his limits. Not 14,000. Yeah, he knows his limits. So we're talking about twilight fish at 2,500 feet. Oh, interesting. Okay. Anyways, let's get back to it. Uh, so he's diving in his bathosphere. Uh, he was looking out the window. Two very unusual fish became illuminated by the craft's electric beam of light as the twi- or as they twice swam past it, no more than eight feet away. Their long, slender bodies, each of which were at least six feet long, with strong, underslung sh- jaws, housing numerous teeth, reminded bath- or BBs of the barracuda. But running alongside each of their bodies was a single, lateral slitted, Horizontal row of luminous organs, uh, photos or photospheres, lit like little shorts of, uh, little short of twenty in total, but every one illuminated by powerful pale blue lights. Mm. So the first fish he sees is a six foot long, uns- underslung jawed barracuda like creature, with these giant phosphorus pores running down its back that were shining a light blue light. Okay. Uh, equally striking was these two twitching tentacle structures hung down beneath each fish. Uh, so, like, they're probably like lures, but they were underneath the body of the animal. Okay. One erased from its lower jaw, and the other one began short of the anal fin. So one's at the front of the body, one's at the back of the body. Gotcha. Once again, each of these structures emitted light, but virtual to the pair of the organs at the tip, the organs attached directly to the tentacles shone red. The blue lights on the body, red bites the lights on the ends of the tentacles. And the other attached to the red organ shone blue. Also noteworthy was the vertical dorsal fins positioned well back towards the tail end of the body. Beebs was unable to discern any practical fin or pelvic or pectoral fins. Hmm. So very odd. Very, very odd, odd fish. fish. Um, but does it fit any kind of description of a fish you know? Deep sea fish are always kind of weird. Yeah. But he did a really good job of documenting whether you want to believe him or not. It's a whole other thing. Right, yeah. Uh, but kind of eelish. Because it only has the dorsal and anal fin. Yeah. He couldn't find any pec or pelvic fins. Hmm, but it's lower things. There's some in the front, right? So it's one is underneath the jaw, and one is at the end of the anal fin oh, okay. before the tail fin. It reminds are uh, there's these one fish that they, like, stand on the bottom of the water. They, get, they look like there's, stilts. Uh, there's bat fish. There's umbrella fish. There's a lot of fish that stand on, like, stilts at the bottom of the ocean. Okay. That's just kind of the vision I got sea robins crawl on, like, what looks like six legs, like an insect. Yeah. What did that, how many legs, did, or did it say how many, or just the two lures, that's the right. The two lower tentacles. That's, that's right, okay. They had a dorsal fin, an anal fin, and a tail fin. Hmm. No pec or pelvic fins that were observable. And then bioluminescence. Well, a lot of bioluminescence. Yeah. Very strange. From but. these fish's general morphology, Beeps concluded that their species was most preferably aligned to the Myliostarli myelids, properly known as scaleless black dragonfish. Mm, okay. Uh, you can look up a scaleless black dragonfish. They look like monsters themselves 
I do not think that's what he's seen. Okay. But he just said his closest family he could think of was those. However, a single line of lateral uh, photospheres, not mentioned in the pair of vertical tentacles with light-emitting uh, thermal organs, unequivocally distinguished it from any known species within the family. After all, uh, Beebe characterized his magnificent discovery in the bathosphere as the bathospheric indica, or untouchable bathosphere fish, sole member of a new genus. Mm. The This black dragonfish, though, is kind of... Freaky? Intrig- it's very freaky, but it, it does fit some of these descriptions, except maybe it's just different. Because it's got that under jaw thing. It's got that lure under it. Um. It's a, it's a it's a weird fish. There are a lot of weird fish. That's a weird. Look up the scaleless black. So the Bathyspheridae were not the only ones of uh, the, uh, the unknown species of the deep fish that Beavis would discover a name, but was unable to capture. During his bathyspheric or his Ber- Bermudian bathyspheric observations in the early 1930s, he spied a mysterious two foot long torpedo shaped fish at the depth of 1500 feet and at 2500 fish. This fish name or named this gray-colored species the pay, uh, the piled sailfish, Baryoxidae isomorphus. Ah. He also described a three-starred angelfish, uh, Baryoxidae trillium, a uh, six-inch-long six species sighted at twenty-four seventy feet, bearing three are the three fishing rod structures on its head, and clearly aligned to the deep-sea anglerfish family Corellius. Cardioid dates, as well as a five-line constellation fish, uh, he spotted a depth of 1,900 feet and resembled a Cardiomonidae or the butterfly fish. Okay. Uh, or even some people speculate the, the the sturgeon fish. Oh, just a sturgeon or a sturgeon fish? Is that the, something different? No, the sturgeon family. Okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, but exquisite coloration of the five glowing lines. The yellow and purple bioluminescence on its roundish body kind of bounced out of either of those classes. Just as beautiful as the long-beaked, multicolored fish was the scarlet-headed, or the scarlet-headed blue body and yellow tail uh, that BB's imp- named the Abyssal Rainbow Gar. So basically, it was gar-shaped. Uh, it had a scarlet head. It had a long, tooth-filled beak, a blue body, and a yellow tail which is very odd for fish found at this depth, at 2,500 feet, four of which he observed swimming together at stiff along the upright positions of depth, like pointing up. Mm-hmm. No species or no specimens of any of these untouchable species have been obtained. Consequently, as with the Bathyspheridae, this is assumed that Beebe's testimony was truthful. There were secrets of the sea that were revealed to humanity only for a brief moment before disappearing back to wherever they came from. Mm. Personally... I believe that he got a glimpse for a short period of time and another world's ocean. Oh, okay. Because they meant fish, but they weren't fish. Now, if you look up some of his drawings, like they were otherworldly. Yeah. But he described other species of fish. He described hundreds of species of fish that we still know today in shallow waters. Okay. So it's odd to think his testimony would be unreliable when he got to deeper waters. Yeah. I don't know. So you, do you think what you're saying is he, as he's descending or whatever, went through a pocket of an ancient ocean that just like through from t- somewhere else, from other dimension, another or time, another time dimension? Space, I don't know. And then he exited it and went. And back. maybe even not that that where he's close to the entry to that space. and stuff's pouring through. Yeah, like the portals coming out. Yeah. Okay. So animals from that other place are pouring into the deep ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Because hmm. he was comparing like the barreled fish looks like a sturgeon, but has uh, nothing like a sturgeon characteristics. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think about this? Um, um, well, a lot of things add up that could kind of support that idea. The deep sea of the Bermuda Triangle is incredibly biodiverse as pre- just discovered recently. So I think that he was seeing fish from somewhere else. Okay. I think some of these monsters that pop up are from somewhere else too. And so this was my thought from earlier. I can't remember if it was the first episode of this or second, but this kind of falls in where could explain that. You got that older, oh, I, oh, uh, let's say that, you know, back a long time ago, that water shallower and, you know, the Bermuda Island was a lot bigger, you know. There was a lot of more landmass that was going on. So you had that deep ocean that was just there. I'll just call it the old ocean. And then when the world, you know, water level right rose, you have that new ocean kind of sitting on top. And what if it's just the way the water flows? Because, um, you know, like we talk about where rivers come together, it's a big energy spot. You know what I mean? So what yeah. if it's like an ancient ocean, new ocean, it's churning waters, creating energy. It's coming up through these tunnels and tubes from underneath. <laughs> but it's creating up interdimensional so like you just said with these fish 150 episodes in i hate you some things never change no uh maybe but that and but here's my other thought i had earlier though those deep sea cave because you said it you mentioned it like what if it's tapped into some freshwater source too Oh, we know it is okay so there then we know we know it is now it's like you got freshwater and salt water mixing and if it's like just being churned around somehow, because they don't really mix, but I feel like it would dilute the fresh water. Is, is that right? Like, so or that's the, kind of weird because we think that it's meeting like the aquifer under Florida. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there is the fresh waters, I guess, winning. Okay. Because it's not letting the ocean into it. Right. And I wonder if it's like pressure kind of pushing out against the ocean. Yeah. That's not letting it. So then now you've got more energy and water mixing, especially salt water. I'm sure it's like got more properties to it that creates more phenomena to happen. It might just be the perfect storm. Or what if it was an ancient civilization that created this perfect storm to begin with? <laughs> that sounds like you're talking about Atlantis. <laughs> you guys are going to have to wait some time for that because that's all the time we have for this episode. <laughs> okay. This is literally going to be like a five-parter. Probably. Oh, but there, I think we're painting a pretty good uh, picture of just the out the the, what, the geological you know layout of the Bermuda. What's called the Bermuda Bay? Just that whole area, the Bermuda Triangle area between Florida and Bermuda and Puerto Rico and all that. I never knew before going to this like kind of what the ocean floor. Or it was comprised of you know how deep it was, how shallow it was in some areas, where it literally will just drop off in the trench. It's got these giant holes and stuff in there. There's a lot going on that's not really talked about or really, you know, even told, you know, I, brought into this. Nobody equation. really puts it all together. Yeah, you know, and I'm not saying I'm the best, but there's a lot of stuff in this episodes that you guys are going to hear that have never been put together. Right. Yeah, and we're doing it. Like I'm, you're witnessing well, it. I did it in the past where I didn't put these sea monsters in the Bermuda Triangle, even though they were there. They are in the Bermuda Triangle. That's yeah. where they're from. But my head doing the research for this episode that was not a thought. Right. Yeah. 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 So some things just connect. So the next episode, we're going to start with what's called planes messing up. So we're going to talk about all the weird stuff that's happened to planes 
in the Bermuda Triangle. Okay. Like uh, missing time, even gain time, electric clouds, tentacles. Living, perhaps. I don't think so, but who knows? Anything could be possible. I have been the great and powerful Mr. E. And I've been the infamous J. We'll catch you next week with more Bermuda Madness. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash CryptoTheCorn.com. And don't forget, stay magical. 